0: It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa.
1: Hey, girl. Hey. Hello. So tell me, tell me, tell me what you've been thinking lately, because we have not talked since that um, Fast and Furious car chase
2: this morning conflicting accounts over what a spokesperson for prince harry and duchess megan has described as a near catastrophic car chase involving the paparazzi the spokesperson says the couple was pursued by highly aggressive photographers in new york who drove up on the sidewalk and drove the wrong way down a one-way street as the couple left a theater. It became pretty aggressive. The paparazzi
1: had access to the garage from where they were entering and they were being kind of manhandled by the bodyguard.
2: Guys, let's get some stuff, okay? After heading to a police precinct for safety, Harry and Megan, along with her mother and a security guard, hailed a taxi to elude photographers. Guy in a suit hailed me. But the cab driver stopped short of calling it a chase. We made a left. They made a left. We made a right. They made a right. So you were so they were being, with us. Yeah, if nothing else. You were being tailed. Yeah, we were being tailed. Yeah. New York's mayor also expressed skepticism about the chase lasting two hours, as the couple's spokesperson claimed.
3: I would find it hard to believe that there was a two-hour high-speed chase. But if it's a uh, 10 minutes, a 10-minute chase is extremely dangerous.
2: But the mayor did call the paparazzi reckless and irresponsible, connecting the episode to the crash that killed Harry's mother, Princess Diana, who at the time was being chased by the paparazzi. This all happening Tuesday night after the couple attended a ceremony honoring Meghan and one day after a man was reportedly arrested outside the couple's home in California, apparently caught by private security lurking on their property. Prince Harry has been outspoken about the security of his family and has pointed to similarities between his wife's treatment and the treatment of his mother. While it's easy to say, well, it's far-fetched to imagine the worst-case scenario happening, that is exactly what did happen to Princess Diana. You can
1: completely understand where Harry being scared, being scared of things like history repeating themselves comes from in a situation like that.
2: The NYPD says the event did not even register as an incident with them until the couple released that statement. As for that taxi ride the couple took, the driver says the fare was seventeen dollars. They paid him fifty, which is a thirty-three dollar tip.
4: It's been it's been ages, and welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast. I am Larissa, and my fabulous host Carrie is dying to hear my insight. I um, am,
1: and you have you... to you have to tell people why because okay. what your background is, what you worked on.
4: So, um, as we know, this week there was a car chase in New York with um, Meghan, Harry, and the paparazzi. And there's varying stories and varying degrees of truth as to how this car chase happened, um, what happened, how it ended, who was involved uh it, it, when the first when the news first came out it was like catastrophic car chase and then it kind of got drugged down a level by the police force to saying you know it was it was complicated it was confusing it's we don't know what it was it's the bottom line right do we yeah
1: no no i i know harry does because i think he videoed it the whole thing
4: I think it was definitely a lot of paparazzi following their car, but yeah. chasing, I don't know where you could find that much open real estate of road in Manhattan no. on a weekend night. That's crazy.
1: That and I heard that the, that the well, first of all, there was an off-duty policeman on this force mm-hmm. or a part of their staff. So he would have known what to do to shut things down or mm-hmm. contact police to intercede. And secondly, like you said, the traffic, I've never been able to I mean, you can't even get ambulances through. You
4: can't even go a block,
1: no, and they <laughs> like were that. they were also baiting a lot of them, and they mm-hmm. were saying that Harry on the uh, Hollywood Raw, who are paparazzis themselves, they were that Harry was like laughing and taping the whole thing, which I'm sure is probably season two. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I don't think it's fair of them to be like, well, if they had just stayed at a hotel and didn't want to stay at somebody's mm-hmm. house, or I don't think that's fair either. I think. Or that the people were complaining, well, why didn't they let them get the shots? Why did they go through the Hertz, run a car? Probably mm-hmm. because there wasn't a red carpet out front. And so they didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked that they used a cab. Why didn't they use a car yeah. service? Which was shocking to me.
4: Well, they started, they started in their hired cars, right? And then the ha- police chase happened. Then they went to the police station and then from the police station, they got in the cab. So why weren't the hired cars still available? I'm really confused as whole that whole thing.
1: I just don't think it's fair that the people were attacking where they were staying. I'm like, that's their business. They should have just been left alone at some point. Who cares if they could be staying in the subway? Who cares? But that very day, though, is when Harry's, I think, high court or whatever their court system is. That's when his request was denied for paying for or allowing him to pay for a security in London. So Mm -hmm. it's awful odd that that would happen the very same day or within a 24 hour period of that ruling. That
5: is very interesting.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's in a very short time frame.
5: Well, security has always been a hugely contentious issue for Prince Harry ever since he left his role as a senior working royal. He's not entitled to security or automatic police protection when he or his family are in the UK. He was challenging that decision, and this case was in particular about the decision not to let him pay for his own protection. Now, Harry's lawyers had argued that this question about whether or not he could pay for it had not been taken correctly. He said that it had been taken by rab- which is this executive committee for the protection of royalty and VIPs. And it should have been taken, his lawyers claim, by the Home Office instead. They'd argued that under the Police Act of 1996, there was provision for private individuals to be able to pay for their own policing. However, when this preliminary hearing was heard at the High Court, um, the Met Office made it very clear they thought this would be unjust, that you should have wealthy individuals able to pay for their own policing that it was not a fair decision not a fair situation and it wasn't right that the richer people uh, richer people should be able to play for policing this way Harry has lost this uh, appeal this uh, he was wanting a, a judicial review into the decision he has lost that bid today this is just one of a couple of cases he has about this decision regarding his security he's also challenging how that original decision was taken and don't forget we've also got the phone hacking cases underway as well at the High Court as well the most important the most prominent of those is this full trial at the moment against mirror group newspapers but the breaking news today is that harry has lost one of his bids about the security situations he will not be able to challenge this decision taken that he cannot um, pay for his own uh policing
4: getting the catastrophic word out there for that is probably just it, so it was just, when i heard the headlines it just Struck me as weird, instead of just saying they were involved in a car chase or some some sort of chase, the word catastrophic, I would only use that, and you've only seen that used when it actually ends up catastrophic like if there is an accident or a I'm death I'm
1: so tired of the weird comparisons to Diana though how he mm-hmm. wanted her to walk through the minefield like or and now with comparing with this and all that and like the constant outfit comparisons and all these things it's like literally I would not want to wear like anything the colonel's mom's shit to be compared to like it's a weird dynamic it starts getting into a really weird kink or fetish when there's these constant comparisons
4: the colonel's mom's shit
1: (laughs) like it's just weird I mean I like we both love a good shawl like I would take a shawl but I'm saying like I'm not gonna put on her nightgown at night and be like let me role play on your mom like
4: wear her jewelry yeah we both love a good shawl Uh, And that brings me to the death of Princess Diana.
3: On Saturday, the 6th of September, 1997, at 12 noon precisely, Britain fell silent. Together, the country was remembering the life of Diana, Princess of Wales, following one of the most astonishing weeks in modern British history.
6: The death of Diana was one of the greatest stories of the second half of the 20th century. It was a story that galvanized the world.
3: In just a few days, the nation was brought to the edge of a collective nervous breakdown. As grief turned into anger, the royal family became the target. They're
6: the most cold people on this earth.
3: It's the first time I'd felt, ooh, I wonder if this is what a civil war feels like. I wonder if this is how it is before it kicks off.
4: When I did um, Princess Diana's True Hollywood Story, we actually spent uh, a couple days in Paris with the Time magazine investigative reporters going over her route, um, tracing the steps of the night before and I have to say, I was watching a couple of documentaries on YouTube and there were a few things that I did not know about that night that I actually found out and I think have only come out within the last 10 years. So I'm going to just going to walk us through a little bit of that evening. Uh,
1: so you actually been to the location. I went there, too, yes. and mm-hmm. I've seen where they put that flame or that hand like the I think it's the statue. Mm-hmm. If I recall correctly from last year, it's like a Statue of Liberty hand or whatever, that flame.
4: Oh, see, I haven't seen that because we went in, like, a year after it happened. I was happened.
1: about to say, you went, like, within a very small time frame.
4: hmm It was. Okay. So, as we know, in August of 1996, she was divorced from Prince Charles. And, like, almost to the year after divorce, um, she was vacationing near Saint-Tropez with the Fayettes. I think, it was, I think it was Papa Fayette first. He's like, come, join us. And mm-hmm. then she met she had met Doty way earlier because Papa Fayette was always involved in the royal family yeah. and he bought Villa Windsor and all that good stuff so um she had known of him she just didn't know him intimately until that year they on August 31st this is the evening of the crash I guess it would be 1997 August 31st 1997 they left the Hotel Ritz now Fy- the Fayed family owned the hotel Ritz, so that's why they were there in the first place.
1: And they own Harrods too, right? Yes, yes, yeah.
4: they did. So they had gone to the hotel, then they decided to go back to Dodie's apartment um, to hang out, and then they were coming back to the hotel for dinner that night at around 10 p.m. And she had her bodyguard, Trevor Reese Jones, and he had the hotels, the hotel's head of security was Henri Paul, who was also the driver of the car. And he had been let go for the evening for about three hours when Doty called him back in to say, you're going to drive us. Now, the one thing I noticed, you know, about the pictures and even back then, I thought that Henri Paul looked pretty gacked out of his mind. I mean, I hate to say that. God rest his soul. But uh we don't know what he was doing in that three hours that he was less, left off of work because he was assuming that he was done for the night.
1: Oh, you know, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. They, I don't think
4: he thought he was coming back. And when he did come back, he had some anise, he had some alcoholic beverages, but they said he was three times over the legal limit for France, which has got to be like twenty times over. Our I was about legal to say limit. that's got
1: to be like insane.
4: Hmm. So they said he was three times over the legal limit. In this other documentary I was watching, Real Royalty, you're going to take this down, Real Royalty, What Really Happened on the Night Of, you can take some quotes from this. They go minute by minute. Uh, The interesting thing that they say when he came back, when he was called back into the hotel, he went out, talked to the paparazzi, came back, bent down to tie his shoes. It worked two ways. He tied his shoes independently, where I guess you could say if he was drunk, he would fall over yeah. or something like that. Um, but it took him 45 seconds to tie his shoes. It's all on the, they have the CCT footage of it. They have a lot of CCT footage. you seen the there, elevator, man. right? You the see? elevator, they they have the whole lobby, everything.
1: I wonder if it's weird for the dad that he owned this place and he can see it. Um, he's not like he has to go, he rare. can just, yeah, like he's just calling his own staff Mm -hmm. being like, let me see the video. Mm -hmm.
6: At 10.34, Henri Paul makes the first of what will be five trips out of the hotel and into the Place Vendôme, where he spends seven minutes talking with the paparazzi. At 10.43, Henri Paul re-enters the Ritz and goes to the bar to finish his Ricard, an aniseed alcoholic drink, one of two he ordered at the Ritz that night. At 11.10, Henri-Paul goes out again to the Place Vendôme. He goes to talk to the driver of Dodie's Range Rover. Then he walks towards the paparazzi. Some people begin to gather round him. Two minutes later, he's back in the hotel. And this is when he realizes his shoelaces have become undone. The cameras show it takes Henri Paul 44 seconds to tie his shoelaces. Visitors mill around and he talks to hotel staff. From here, he will go upstairs to join the bodyguards outside the Imperial suite where Dodie and Diana are.
0: I must admit, I was extremely surprised when I saw the bodyguards, Wingfield and, and Reese Jones, sitting outside the Imperial Suite. And I was surprised at the, the amount of activity in the anteroom outside the Suite.
6: One reason they were outside the Suite was because they were to be briefed on the getaway plan. It was eventually decided to use two decoy cars. Kez Wingfield would leave from the front while, to fool the paparazzi, Trevor Reese jones Diana and Dodie would leave from the back, with Henri Paul at the wheel. Henri Paul went down the stairs and out to talk to the paparazzi again. It's now 23 minutes past 11. The plan needs three cars, Dodie's Range Rover and two identical Mercedes, one at the front, one at the back.
4: So in a nutshell, what happened was Henri Paul ended up driving with Trevor Reese jones sitting in the front seat, Uh, The only one who was wearing a seatbelt was Trevor Reese Jones. Uh, Dodie, Diana, and Henri Paul were not wearing a seatbelt. And they did say that her injuries, she had a concussion, a broken arm, a cut thigh, and a massive chest injury. And for the longest time, I thought that it was a torn aorta. And one of these documentaries was saying there was some sort of lung tissue that was torn. That is a very rare injury, but lethal and deadly. And- that seems to be what killed her. But he was going 70 miles per hour through the streets of Paris. This is a chase. This was a real chase because if you've gone along the Seine, you know there's that open, it's almost like a little mini, what we would call like a parkway in the United States, right? And you can pick up some big speed on that, especially late at night. There was a there was the issue of the white Fiat. He goes under this bridge. It's like an underpass. and. At first, they thought the white Fiat ran into him.
0: Mm -hmm.
4: But what ended up happening is he was going so fast that he kind of sideswiped a white Fiat that was in the right lane, sideswiped it, set his car off a little bit, which ended up sending him into the pillar that was adjacent to the left lane. So think of, think of like if you're going to pass this white Fiat, they're in the slow lane, you're going to pass them, you swipe them a little bit, sets your car off a little bit, and you slam straight into the pillar at 70 miles an hour, no braking or anything. It was just like slam straight into it. So the when we did the interviews, it was assumed that the Fiat was in the left lane and was going as fast as he was and sideswiped him, that everyone was like, oh, it's a paparazzi. It's a paparazzi in the Fiat. That doesn't really seem to be the case. The other thing is the Fiat never turned up again. So we don't really know what happened there.
1: There's always a mystery car. There's always something up. Even like James Dean crashed. There was like mm-hmm. all these things of, was he the driver or not? Because of how his body was thrown in the mystery car. There's always odd...
4: Exactly. And so they, they, there were several conspiracy theories. So the British, I know she was still
1: alive, right? That wasn't, she
4: was still alive. And that was one of the conflicting things. Um, in France, you're supposed to stabilize the patient and then take them to the hospital. In England, you don't do that. You get them to the hospital as quick as possible. But in the United States, I believe you try and stabilize the patient at the scene and then get yeah. them to the hospital, right? Yeah, that's what I so, thought. You could look at it two different ways. You know, neither one is right or wrong, but her injuries were so extensive that th- at that point, they were probably trying to get a heartbeat on her. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you're just taking a corpse to the hospital. They... Had- taken quite a while to stabilize her and get her out of there fayed Doty's father muhammad al-fayed had paid for like an inquisition an inquest and it was called operation paget and i'm not sure if this was completely done by just the police i know the royals didn't pay for it yeah. so i'm pretty sure it was done by him and they examined 175 theories that like conspiracy theories and You know, one of them being that Mohammed thought that Princess Diana was pregnant and she was put on a list, like a hit list. But during her autopsy, they revealed that she was not pregnant with Dodie's child. And they even spoke with some of her friends saying she definitely was not pregnant. She was still under birth control, blah, blah, blah.
1: Do you think he made them more into serious romance than what they actually were? I don't
4: know, because... They did, several reports did show that Dodie went to a jewelry store that day And bought two bands. Now, whether he was going to propose to her or whether he was going to buy her like a promise ring or something, that remains to be seen. Like, there could have been a proposal that was coming. I'm not sure. Or maybe
1: just like a nice piece of jewelry. She was definitely looking for love. I mean, Mm -hmm. I felt so bad. Obviously, she had some mental health issues when she was so obsessive about, remember the doctor who was married? Yeah, I found out something else. Okay, great.
4: Adnan Khan.
0: won from the man she wanted most Ew.
4: So they said that was her one true love. I found out that her bodyguard from early on, Barry Manikey, was in her own interview. She said that was her greatest love. I did not know that this whole time. Did you know that? The doctor? No, the bodyguard. There was a bodyguard, Barry Manikey, that was with Yeah, he got
1: moved. Charles got him reassigned. She said in an interview that was her greatest love. But she definitely didn't go for pasty white men, white British men. (laughs) Well, Barry Manicky was. Oh, oh really? The bodyguard, yeah. Was he a ginger? Like, um he No, was? he had
4: dark hair, but he had like a receding hairline. She's there was a letter that one of her butlers got um that she wrote before her death. She says, This particular phase in my life is most dangerous. Um redacted. She redacted the name. Um is planning an accident in my car brake failure and serious head injury in order to in order to clear the path for uh charles to marry so we don't know why she wrote that letter letter we didn't know what she was expecting i don't know who redacted is i don't think it's charles it's just interesting that she wrote this letter yeah um Now, Peter Settelin this is the funny thing. We interviewed Peter Settelin for the documentary at the time he would not let us listen to any of his tapes. Mm -hmm. But on those tapes, that was her speech coach at the time, on those tapes was where she said that the greatest love of her life was her bodyguard, Barry Manneke. So weird. I feel like we were cheated. I
1: feel
0: like we
4: had
1: to spend the
4: afternoon.
1: I feel like Dodie or her dad kind of made it into more than maybe what it was. But who mm. knows? I would have liked to have seen her in love openly and not, and like to prosper after Charles. Mm. Cause I feel like in a way she walked in on somebody else's relationship, even yeah. if she was immature and, and they said like he couldn't handle her and all that. Mm. But I don't think his heart ever. I mean, and they said that Charles tried and all that, and he didn't step out until, you know, until she did and blah, blah. But I don't think his heart ever truly was in it. I don't think it was open. No, I don't think
4: so either. He just was like, it was something he had to do. It's really
1: tragic.
4: The other thing is, is that on the inquest, they had like kind of a trial or, or something of that sort. And I guess three coroners resigned. Oh they, really? The, why is that? It was the four, I don't know. It was three coroners. One was like, this is out of my depth. And the other two have no idea. They just resigned. So they had to take the fourth coroner. I thought that was a little strange. I think I think it was an unfortunate accident. Some of them say Henri Paul was in on it and he got paid a lot of money, but why would you pay a debt? Why would you even you wouldn't do that if you if there was any chance that you would die in an accident? Why would you take money yeah. for it? So I don't think that one is true. I think he did have too much to drink. And I think he accidentally hit. I think it was an accident, quite frankly. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. What do you think?
1: Oh, I think it was an accident. I don't think she was on a hit list or anything. I think that it was just getting so insane, the chaos around her. And I think once they step out and I know that she would tip them off, too. But I think once you step out off of British soil, there's like no rules. Like they printed Kate Middleton's topless photos from her honeymoon in France. You know, they don't have some of the same where in in Great Britain, you have certain press that are vetted. You know, there's the royal family literally has relationships with the press. You know, other than I'm talking about the dirty newspapers, like um, when they were hacking into the voicemails and stuff, I'm talking about the ones that are not like they have warrants like businesses do over there, but they get the they're on like the right list and they're allowed to go on the tours with them and, you know, all that. And they go have a pint at the pub with them after. Mm -hmm. I do think it was just like a combination of like too much speed, drinking, the adrenaline of this speed chase and... A high-speed chase is never a good
4: idea. I suggest a low-speed chase. I just think it was handled the wrong. I know that they wanted to get away from the paparazzi, but the problem is is when you've got, it looked to be around 10 to 12 paparazzi out there. When you've got that many, you can send people out all over the place. And, you know, I I just think it was dangerous from the get-go to try and outrun them. Same as if you're in in Manhattan, just, okay, drive your speed. You would would drive the flow of traffic. They're going to be surrounding the car. You're in the car. You're not opening the windows. I mean, I know it's annoying now someone would be taking your picture the whole time, but that just seems to be the safest. They probably didn't want them to know where they were going either.
1: Well, that's my thing about Harry and Meghan. Like, I, I think some of it was baited. I think that they had every right to go through Hertz, run a car. I think they had every right not to want people to know where they're staying or whatever for security. Mm -hmm. So maybe after the first few minutes of not catching your shot, they should have departed. On the other hand, there was an off-duty policeman there. I think Mm -hmm. there was also, they were baiting, and it's proven they were baiting the the crowds. They were baiting the paparazzi. I think part of it, they were kind of setting them up, wanting to show how chaotic it is, like to kind of Mm -hmm. prove their point. Mm-hmm. Um, the especially the irony of harry with his court case that week what
4: they do to bait them what they what were they doing
1: oh they were just like making remarks to them trying to like kind of get them agitated getting it mm-hmm. ramp up mm-hmm. the situation pictures of them are worth money and yeah she's tipped off i mean most celebs have tipped off the press at some point or yeah. paparazzi but photos are not like what it was during diana's time Right time where not everybody had a camera phone because someone could just snap it the other
4: thing i think is uh way different is diana was not megan was at a an official engagement where she was accepting an award so everyone knew where she was diana of course was coming from back from vacation she was not there on any formal business they truly were stalking them yeah
1: i think be able to get restraining orders in those cases. Yeah. And I definitely think, don't get me wrong, when I was younger, I used to like looking at the Inquirer and the Star, like the kids' photos and mm-hmm. stuff. But now I think that those should be completely off them. I think in France, they can't print the photos of the children and they have to blur their faces. Mm-hmm. It was almost becoming like this alpha contest between the paparazzi and Harry and Meghan and mm-hmm. their documentary docu drama thing was them filming themselves so they they make a point i hope that's not what it was about
4: but it's just so weird how they like he says in the documentary we wanted to get away from the press and the paparazzi and we wanted to lead private lives but their lives are anything but private now Mm -hmm. you know the book the netflix series it's almost like you're sending two messages to the press you're sending the message of we're open to press because we're doing our own things and we've got stuff coming out, but we don't want the press and the paparazzi because we're trying to live private lives. So which is it? Like, I I think that's a confusing message to general press, you know, not even the paparazzi. I think that's a confusing message to just general press.
1: It is. And you can only control your image to a point I get. They're like, well, we want to do it on our terms, but Nobody gets to do it on their terms in this day and age. Well, even in the
4: CCT footage, they are in the lobby of the Ritz and there's other people there. And we're only seeing this on CCCCTV, CCCTV, the whatever. (laughs) The three C's, the two C's TV footage. Can you imagine if other people were in a lobby today? Everyone would have their camera Exactly, exactly. You'd be catching 20 different angles for them. And the paparazzi photos would not be the most valuable thing there. No,
1: exactly. Joe Schmo
4: from Nantucket. That's going why I feel like selvis, those paparazzi
1: yeah. chasing them was really because they're like, oh, you want to antagonize us? You want to like, you know, come through hurts? Like, who do you think you are? I think yeah. it was this weird kind of standoff.
0: Ciao, darling. Shocking allegations about Princess Diana's death. Authorities now reviewing the new and sensational claim that she was actually murdered by the British government. ABC's chief legal affairs anchor here with more on that, Dan Abrams. And, Dan, talk about a
3: conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. Look, this may be the most thoroughly investigated car crash ever. But when you're talking about the death of Princess Diana, it seems some will never accept the official finding. After all, attributing her death to negligence, mistakes, bad behavior isn't nearly as tantalizing as a claim of murder. It seemed like a terrible accident and was officially ruled just that, an accident, caused by, among other things, the gross negligence of driver Henri Paul. But now Scotland Yard is looking into a new claim that Princess Diana and her boyfriend Dodi Fayed were actually murdered by British special forces 16 years ago this month whenever you bring in stories about special forces personnel then then uh, immediately you've got the prospect of a, of a red hot story the allegation came in the form of a letter during a court martial of sergeant danny nightingale a british special air service sniper convicted of illegal gun possession the letter alleged that a fellow special ops soldier told his wife their unit orchestrated the princess's death and cover-up. They had a team of people over there on motorbikes,
0: uh, designing, planning the whole operation, waiting with cars, etc. So the car would be driven down at speed, driven by motorbikes to get them high speed, driven into the tunnel, and the strobe light then would be used to disorientate on Paul, so you would lose control of the car.
3: A new book said to be published next week by author Alan Power also claims the British government had Diana killed because they saw her as a threat the security services and the monarchy the establishment realized
0: there's a big danger there
3: power alleges the princess was pregnant and planning on marrying fayed and possibly preparing to leak embarrassing information about the prince the problem in two thousand eight after six months of reviewing every piece of evidence during a formal inquest into diana's death no evidence was found that she was pregnant or engaged or, of course, murdered. There was no conspiracy to murder any occupants of that car. Buckingham Palace has not commented on the allegations, and Scotland Yard is choosing its words carefully, saying that this is not a reinvestigation, but that they are just scoping the new allegation. Now, let's be clear. This accusatory letter came from the estranged parents of the wife of a former intelligence operative. Talk about hearsay upon hearsay upon hearsay. But when it comes out just as a new book saying the same thing emerges, Scotland Yard has to at least look into it and it's just too good for us not to discuss. I, I guess
0: but can you imagine the kind of conspiracy this would have had to oh, and be the number to of people of
3: who would have had to be involved and to have not said anything for all this time. Uh is is absurd.
0: But what is Scotland Yard really doing As you say, they're not calling it an investigation, they're saying they're just gonna look at the scope of all this. What do they do? Well,
3: publicly and privately they're doing two different things. Publicly there's they have to say, look, we are going to examine this. They're being very careful about what they say. Privately, I'm sure that they are rolling their eyes and saying, Uh, another one of these mm, we at gotta, some point they say we looked at it Yeah, we, it. we we gotta deal with this, but at least they can say that this was looked into without using the word reinvestigating. Mm-hmm.
6: too early to go to tiffany's i guess the next best thing is a drink i will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it all right mr demille i'm ready for my close-up
4: Favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about
3: it, just
1: name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard, where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel because everyone has one, right? That features a playlist of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out missdeedsandintriguepodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast host or guest co-host are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie... Misdeeds or intrigue podcast or Larissa have been, am now or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and intrigue podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast, host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites and/or from YouTube, or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.